And now, for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 292 of This Old Marketing, recorded on Thursday, October 7th, 2021. And with me, as always, my good friend, my colleague, and the only guy I know who can win Squid Game, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you? Have you watched it? I have. I have been watching it. You've watched the whole thing? No, I have not watched the whole thing. I have not, so don't spoil, no spoilers. No, 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 I haven't watched it. I, everyone that I know has watched it, but I have not watched it outside of the trailer. So I sort of know the deal about the the premise and how they get into the squid game, but I don't know anything else. I'm just fascinated by how it's become pretty much the number one series of all time on Netflix, right? Or pretty close to that. Yeah. And interestingly, I don't think it's because of mostly U.S. audiences. Um, you know, it's extraordinarily popular around the world, but I think it's only it's only now starting to get really discovered here in the U.S. Um, and I'm on episode three, so three. yeah. And I don't I don't even know how many there are, so I don't know how far I am into it. But it's I mean, it's intense. It's an intense show, I'll say that. Well, I, I hear the ratings are tremendous with Underwater Life. I think that's where they're getting most there it of is, the yes. viewership. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Who live, who, who live in a shell <laughs> under the sea? Yeah? Is that what they say? Yeah? A little SpongeBob? Under the sponge, sea. Yeah. No, a little SpongeBob yeah. reference. Not not, not Disney. Uh, I know. Yeah. I, no, see, you went SpongeBob, I went Disney. That's, that's right. That's a really good I am way cooler. Two, I just want personas. you to know that the audience right now is going... Yeah, SpongeBob is the right uh, reference there, not, you're, not you're, Disney. You're, yes, you're probably the pineapple <laughs> under the sea. You're you're probably correct. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm I'm I don't think I want to start watching it because I think I'll get hooked. And I outside of Ted Lasso, your wife I, will not like it. I will tell you that it's it's, it's, it's ultra violent. violent. It's ultra it's violent. violent. Yeah. Is it is it yeah. like John Wick violent or more? It is John worse. Wick violent. Yes. Yeah, uh, I just but regardless of that, I don't want to spend time on it because I'll as soon as I watch that first one, I'm gonna have to watch the whole thing, and I have my series, Ted Lasso. As people are listening to this, the yeah. the final episode will be on. I'm going to watch that, and yep. now I have no shows that take up any of my time and soak up my productivity. <laughs> I need to be doing great things, and I can't do that watching Squid Game. Uh, yes. Don't you feel like that sometime, though? No, I don't. I have, I have, I have, no, I have, I absolutely cherish my, now, I don't watch a lot of TV, I will tell you that. My wife will, you know, tell you that I don't. I, I too, have one or two shows ever going at one time, and I miss a lot, right? So, I don't watch a lot of TV, but I do. You know, I enjoy uh, I enjoy a good TikTok video every now and again. I, I enjoy YouTube. I enjoy um, reading. Um, so I don't. I, I'm not a real big TV aficionado anymore. But um, but yeah, no, I I definitely have to step away from the computers and the productivity and the stuff like that. Because and I had to. I just literally had to. I mean, you know, it's it, it you can you can work yourself into a corner and it's just very hard. So you got to, I, I think you got to respect that downtime. I'm with you on the downtime, but if I, if I'm doing downtime at all, like if, if my wife and I want to watch a movie, I'll watch a movie like, and we'll go through Netflix or HBO oh, max or whatever it is. Yep. But if That's, it has yeah. episodes, I'm out because I can commit to one hour and 37 minutes. Or one hour and forty five. By the way, well, that's a great point. If you, yeah. by the way, we look at the times in our house because if it's more than an hour and forty five minutes, she won't do it. She's like, I'm out. That's interesting. Unless, unless it's unless it's, it's like, like a superhero movie or something like that. Unless right? it's like James Bond okay, or sure. Roy Kent yeah. starring in something. She'll watch <laughs> that for twelve hours. Yeah, but. But yeah, she just and I'm the same way. I'm like, okay, well, the episode thing. Now there, I have my exceptions. Uh, Ted Lasso. When Stranger Things comes back, I'm sure. in all yeah. the way. 
because I love that show so much. But well, it's I, an interesting point because I think a lot of what you're seeing now with series should be movies, right? In other words, I think there are a lot of of things that are getting conceived as that would be great as two hour movies and aren't as great as five hour or six hour series. There's just not enough arc and material there, right? So you get a lot of this where the first episode is great, the second episode's okay, third, fourth, and fifth are like whatever, and then you could literally skip to like six and seven and be done with the show, right? I yeah. mean, so it could have been a movie, right? It's sort of like, you know, so many of, so many business books these days should have been an email, you know, it's like, it, 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 it really gets to... Is there enough material there for a yeah. you know eight episode arc? We talked about that with Ted Lasso. The beard episode was the episode they weren't planning on doing because they're like, oh, we have to have twelve episodes now because they're paying for it. So we've right. got to throw in some stupid episode that doesn't mean anything that doesn't progress the show story at all. Done. But in a weird way, it, it, it's sort of like yeah, I don't yeah. know. Okay, all right. I, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, we should mention that that you and I had a very, you know, we we did the the wrap up show, but we really yeah. didn't talk about. Now we're we're a week later from Content Marketing World, yeah, and we're you know back to the, our regular scheduled programming, and yeah. scheduling yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. But yeah, it was great yeah. seeing you. Oh, it was we, so much. We fun. had such a great time. You were great on stage as as usual. Thank you, Mister. And I I cherished every one of my twenty minutes. <laughs> on stage, no, no animosity, really. I I like the twenty minute. Uh, it is. It's a good I, format. It's I a like good the format. Keynote because you really have to focus on whatever you're great. Like I'm, some like you do a really good job. You'll tell like the long form story, and there'll be a lot of learnings in it. I'm always, you know, how I teach. I'm like, here's ten things. Right. Boom. Exactly. Boom. Boom. Right. And I because it's funny because I just submitted. For a 25-minute presentation that I'm, I'm supposed to do in November, I think. Yeah. And so it's 25 minutes and a five-minute Q&A. Whatever. Five-minute Q&A. Come on. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Yeah. But anyways, 25 minutes, and I submitted my slides. 93 slides. <clears throat> and they got back to me. They're like, you, rem- you do yeah. know this is 25 minutes. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is probably a 20-minute presentation if I got 93 slides. So a lot of people don't present that way. I just really... Move. Yeah, well, but you anyways. bang through those things, right? You've got the great, you know, you basically have an image. You use slides like punchlines, right? You know, it's a, and and so it's like, ba-doom, 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 yeah, ba-doom. You know, it gets, and, you, yeah. and you sit on one for a while. Like, well, for example, at Content Marketing World's opening, you didn't have any slides. I didn't have any which slides. Which I thought was yeah. great because you were, I mean, you made the, the, the decision to say, I'm going to present with no slides so everyone looks at beautiful me the entire <laughs> time. And it takes well, a lot of commitment to go all the way like that. Oh, there we go. There, there, there. <laughs> no, I'm, it's there, a compliment. I'm making it. a compliment. Yeah. I'm making a compliment. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm looking at the back of your hand of that compliment, but yes, <laughs> thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> but but anyways, the best news of the week is that your Cowboys are 3-1 and one and my Browns are 3-1. and one. It's, a, it's a hot time for both teams. I mean, we're, we're, we're feeling pretty good. I mean, I got to be honest. It's, it's, feeling, it's feeling good right about now. Oh, and I gotta I gotta hand you some credit because you told me to take Dak Prescott as my quarterback in fantasy. Oh yeah, he's, and I did. Yeah, he's crushing it. And he saved my week this week with his four touchdowns. So yeah. I'm all I'm totally in love with with Dak. And I'm yeah. gl- actually I'm just glad that he's back. Yeah. And my, my fantasy team, on the other hand, is in a complete pile of dumpster fire. Yeah, it's it's yeah. All my receivers went down. Gronkowski's down. All you know, so I'm, I'm like trying to trade. I'm trying to put guys on IR. It's ugh, it's a mess. Well, I mean, I thought your team. I thought it was an interesting strategy you had to pick basically anyone over 35 years old. They were going to start on your fantasy team. A lot of people wouldn't do that. Yeah, but you, you're like, like there's no, the back no, no. of that hand again. There's the back of that hand again. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm I'm enjoying that this episode. But you haven't played fantasy in. I have long, not. Long this is time. my first time. I'm learning a lot, right? Like I didn't know, and you know, for all of you who play fantasy football out there, you're going to go, "Oh, you dumbass!" You know, I didn't realize. Of course, I didn't read through all the rule books that they come. You know, that they link to. Of course, that you could actually put a whole slew of guys on IR, 
and yeah. keep them on your team. So when one of Some, my receivers yeah, sometimes went on, you can do that if the rules yeah, are set so, up that way. Yes, right. So one of my guys, of course, went on IR, and of course, I can't play them. So I dropped him and and got a new receiver. Oh, and, and then of course, picked him up and, and somebody him picked him up IR. and put him IR. Right. So when he comes back, it's Michael Gallup, by the way, on the Cowboys. So it's you know, I was like, oh, I'm a dope. I'm just dopey. But yeah, so. So, th- so you dropped Michael Gallup, and then you added Fred Bolitnikoff? Like, who did you add? Yes. Uh, God, dang, you're on fire today. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, I did. I I can't. No. It, yeah. I was the West Bolitnikoff that you Bol- you're, you're aging yourself with the Bolitnikoff re- I, reference. Hey, you know, you know what? I'm, I know my audience. That You're yeah. my audience in this perspective. I'm like, who, who would Robert know? Like yeah. running backs, Jim Brown, you know. Yeah. Walter, Walter Payton. Payton. There we yeah. go. Walter yeah. Payton, definitely. I mean, I grew up during Walter Payton, so. Yeah. He was he was the best. But actually, uh, Barry Sanders was the one that I really was like, oh, my God, he's the best I've ever seen, just bouncing off people. But, yeah. Uh, who, who Emmett knows? Smith. Emmett Smith anyway. was great. I'll tell you what. Yeah. You needed one yard. Yeah. He'd get you. He'd get you that one yard, and then watch out. He might break it. Break through That's that right. pile. He was. That's right. He was fantastic. But anyways, wrapping this up. Yeah. I'm. I would love. Oh my gosh! If if there was a Browns Cowboys championship game, that would be the greatest thing ever. Although Browns Cowboys Super Bowl, I love it. Let's do it. There's no reason why it can't happen. There's no reason. There's yeah, no reason. Everybody looks beatable. Everybody looks beatable. So you'd have to let us win that one because yeah. you've had many Super Bowl titles in the past, whatever, thirty years, and we've had zero, yeah, appearances. Anyways, what else is up? Shall we get to the news? Because <laughs> that is kind of what it is—a news show, and this but is you the know part what? where, yeah, the problem is nothing happened this week. Oh nothing. no! I, yeah, nothing really. It was happened. radio no, it was silence. Such a, hmm, yeah, so people were could, see all the tweets that said, "Joe and Robert, what are you going to talk about this week?" I know, right? I mean, it was yeah. just it's just a. So of course we're joking, folks. Um, the big news, um, huge news, um, and one that really was just sort of a beautifully wrapped little gift for Joe Pulisic to put out a tweet that got, or no, it was a LinkedIn post that you got like a gajillion likes on. Um, with your rented land post, isn't that crazy? Uh, it's just, just absolutely just nutty. That stuff yeah, yeah. And it's then just every so once great. In a while. It's just it's just timing. It's all it is. It's timing. So yes, of course, fifty-seven thousand views of that stupid yeah. thing. That yeah, said, exactly. Do not build your it. content house on rented <laughs> land. Boom! Yeah. Like nobody's Boom. ever heard that before. Right. But. Well, I, you know, it. Good for you for sort of thinking to do it. I didn't think to do it. Um, Anyway, of course, what we're talking about is you couldn't have missed it. You didn't miss it. I'm sure you didn't miss it. Um, and I can't resist to bring up an old sports analogy. Down goes Facebook. Down goes Facebook. Um, <laughs> so there's my Howard Cosell for you. And yes, of course, this week uh, and the article that we'll link to uh, comes to us courtesy of NPR, but literally everybody is covering this. Um, and the article we'll link to says why Facebook and Instagram went down for hours on Monday. Uh, when Facebook suffered an outage of six hours on Monday, businesses suffered along with it. The platform and its Instagram and WhatsApp siblings play key roles in commerce with some companies relying on Facebook's network instead of their own websites. But on Monday, that network came crashing down. It wasn't a hack, Facebook said, but rather a self-inflicted problem. An update to Facebook's routers that coordinate network traffic went wrong, sending a wave of disruptions rippling through its systems. As a result, all things Facebook were effectively shut down worldwide. Why did the outages last so long, uh, the article says? The problem was made worse and its solution more elusive because the outage also whacked Uh, Facebook's own internal systems and tools that relies on it for daily operations. So (laughs) Facebook built its house on rented land. (laughs) So (laughs) employees also reportedly face difficulty in physically reaching the space where the routers are housed. Uh, The article goes on to talk about, you know, a little more detail uh, about the technology of what went on in terms of uh, they actually mentioned things like gateway protocols and all those kinds of things. And that the Facebook team lost nearly a day of work some of them calling it a snow day snow day um yeah so we'll also link to just by fyi 
It's not been a great week generally for Facebook. They had a whistleblower appear uh, on 60 Minutes. Um, and the, we'll link to an article in Axios, which talks about all of those things combined have resulted in, I don't know that I'd call it a plummet or a no, tank, it's but it's, it's, the stock did go markedly down um, a little bit. So, uh, you know, I mean, the headlines sort of spell out like the stock market tanked for Facebook. No, it went from three, basically $350 a share to $326 a share. So if you call that a tank, I'm not sure what. But anyway, what do you think? What, what is your take on all of this, Mr. Polizzi, with your viral tweet? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, shooting fish in a barrel on, on that one. That was kind of yeah. fun. Look, yeah. it's the... I th- I think there's more to talk about uh, about the fa- the future of Facebook coming up and on many more episodes because they have some I think long term issues that they have to figure out. They're getting eaten up by TikTok and Snap. The the younger audiences are not on Facebook now. That said, Facebook is doing a wonderful job monetizing the older population of the world. And if you look at that, I mean, basically the Facebook stock, even with that dip, it's outperforming the S&P over the year. It's doing, you know, if you are owner of Facebook stock, you are very, very happy, even with all this happening. I think the the issue- Buy the dip, buy the dip. Yeah, exactly. If you you believe in Facebook long-term, they do have some issues, but they're still an amazing company. And anyone who advertises on or sells products on Facebook will tell you. And that's what happened. My- my recommendation is, and we talk about, you know, we always bring up do not build your content house on rented land, but you have to make sure if you have, let's say in this case for audience listening to this, if you're a marketer and you have a big footprint on Facebook, you need to have a plan B. It doesn't mean you can't be on Facebook or shouldn't be on Facebook when we say rented land. And I'm not, we're, we're in basically saying use social media, whatever makes sense with your overall marketing goals. And if you're a content creator, if you're building an audience there, that's great. But at the end of the day, you have no control over it. You have no control over the algorithm, the decisions, whether it's up or down or whatever the case is, whatever Zuckerberg decides to do, whether they're uh, getting involved in uh, evil as you know has been discussed in, in, um, in government this week. So I, th- I think you just make sure you have you prepare that secondary strategy. And that's why I love an event like this, not for what it did to all the businesses, but I love it as a reminder of people, for people who they're building their businesses. And this is one area that is just like, oh, my God, this is a, I've got a cavity over here and I've got to do something about it because at the end of the day, there's no asset there. I have no control. What am I going to do? So there, I mean that, and it's great. Every, you know, two, day, two days later, everybody's back to normal. Everybody goes back on Facebook. We all forget about this thing happening. And then you forget about your plan B. I don't want people to forget about the plan B. I want you to have a business process set up to move that yeah. to email, to an own membership site, to more focus on your website, what, whatever the case is. I don't know what's your, what's your take with the whole thing. Well, I think it's, I mean, I agree with you, of course, the, what was interesting to me was were two aspects of this. Um, what one were, were not the advertisers. Uh, uh, you know, a, a, a six-hour gap in your advertising spend is not going to hit anybody particularly yeah. hard. Um, certainly not the big brands that are that are utilizing Facebook. You know, it was a bummer, and you know, I'm sure a minuscule revenue hit for their you know. Um, if any revenue hit, quite frankly, um, for the you know for the for the advertising, my feelings go out for and concern to your point on rented land go out to those who have built their entire e-commerce platform on Facebook. That's right. Um, and the the really more interesting thing to me is the inability for Facebook itself to fix its own problem. Um, that is a lesson that we can learn, right? Which is, in other words, the, 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 the interesting thing, the challenge, then they mentioned this in the NPR article, which is Facebook's internal systems went down as well because they're built on Facebook. Um, and so things like WhatsApp messaging, right? Or 
Instagram, great advertisers, but but more importantly, the Facebook sort of infrastructure. And let's not forget that there are, I don't know, there's not many, but there are a few that use Facebook's version of Slack or, you know, internal, you know, messaging system um, for their corporate messaging system, right? That would have gone down too. And Facebook couldn't get into its own infrastructure because it relies so much on its own infrastructure in order to perform things. As a stockholder, uh, you know, that or as a business manager, that's the thing that would concern me. Like I wouldn't like who cares that the that the service was down for six hours. That's not a big deal. The the more concerning thing is is that their infrastructure was down for six hours and they couldn't do any work. You're and, talking about redundant systems. They need correct. Redundant well, or or system. systems that don't you know that don't you know. I mean, there's this sort of business sort of jargon, you know, sort of overly jargon, you know, about eating your own dog food or drinking your own champagne or whatever it is, which is use your own tools, right? And this is not, you know, this does not go, uh, uh, you know, un, uh, unobserved in the worlds that we live in either with, with big organizations that sort of utilize other tools to do the things they need to do. There are giant uh, CRM, email marketing, uh, you know, all sorts of companies that use competitive tools to do things like content management or email marketing or those kinds of things because their own tools, quite frankly, they don't want, they, they either haven't deployed them for themselves or quite frankly, you know, they, they, they don't know how, right? Which is an interesting challenge. And it's always kind of fun when you learn that, right? When that giant corporation that sells the very thing that you're, you know, looking at putting for your customers, they don't even use it, right? They don't even <laughs> use their own tools. And so, a lot of companies will start to use their own tools so that they don't get caught up in the you know the the flack of that. For Facebook, I'm sure that they have sort of this you know internal, I don't know the word probably pride. Let's use that word um, in using their own tools to give their managers access. The lesson for me for the business managers out there, and I, we actually saw this during COVID where a number of our clients, when we were talking to them, hadn't built in the resiliency to let people access those systems from outside the corporate campus. So things like their website management, their email marketing, their CRM system, their internal tools for HR, you know, all these tools were not, you know, they're all locked down, right? They're all locked down in this sort of uh, uh, you know, very, you know, uh, proprietary way to only be accessed from internally in the office. And so when we went to lockdown work from home mode, they couldn't do their work. Mm -hmm. And so it's the sort of opposite of what we're seeing here with Facebook. But it, but, but the interesting thing to me here is that, right? Where, how are we getting as a small business or as a medium sized business or even as an enterprise business, how are we looking when it comes to a great swath of the internet going down or great, you know, because th there have been times when, Am I mean, when Amazon web services goes down, the, yeah, the, internet, the, internet, goes the, the down. internet goes down, yeah. right? And it's just sort of, there was a wonderful article I read uh, during this week, which, and I'm, I'll try and find the link for the show notes, um, which was basically, you know, it shows how delicate the internet actually is to our normal business. And so, thinking about those things is is you know it's not just the rented land piece but it's how we actually do our business as well i was shocked with the i forgot about you know we're, we're you know we look at it from our own lenses and i was thinking about oh all the marketers and all the business owners that are building an audience and communicating with customers i forgot about the the billion billion customers that basically sell all their products and services through facebook yeah, exactly. Jeez. So many. So, so many. scary. I forget. You forget that they are bigger than eBay, the amount of business that changes hands on Facebook. And, I, you know, I don't think about it because you don't think of them as a marketplace. You don't think of that there's that kind of sell, direct selling going on, but there is. It's just sort of nuts. What do you think about well, the and, whole? And, oh, the, and the payment. And, and I was just going to say quickly to add on to that, the payment thing, right? So people also forget because we don't do a lot of it here in the U.S., but uh, WhatsApp is a payment. You know, it's very much like a WeChat thing as well, right? Where you can actually pay people through WhatsApp, you know, like a Venmo. Oh, oh and, 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 and in Europe, I mean, that's how you communicate with people. I mean, that's when I've right. been, when I've been so, over there, they're like, forget everything else. They don't, right, they don't have text messaging, WhatsApp. right? Yeah. 
Yeah. That that's crazy. Um, the well, and, the, and then take it the other step where you have some countries that when you say the internet, that's Facebook. Exactly. Like they just go directly into Facebook, and Facebook yep. has done a great job uh, by making that happen. What What do you think about the whole whistleblower thing? Is there any takeaways? Is it? I mean, I I just thought. These weren't any. These weren't things that we didn't already know or talk about on this podcast. But it's just more of the. You know what I think. So, I, I maybe I'm a little. Maybe I'm getting a. Maybe my tinfoil hat is a little too tight right now. But here's what I think. I actually think, and I know this is way out there. I actually think they did this on purpose, or at least didn't stop it on purpose. And and here's what I mean by that. In order, you know, because what what kind of went under the radar was, you know, not really. There was a couple of stories on it. Um, we almost covered it on the show, but then we sort of just didn't do it for time. Which was this effort about a month ago, eh, maybe four weeks ago, where Facebook came out publicly and said, "Yes, we are actually waiting articles about Facebook." and all the efforts we're doing to blah, 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 more heavily, right? So in other words, there is a concerted effort by Facebook to get good PR out into the world about all the wonderful things that Facebook is doing. And of course, the internet went, oh my God, that's crazy, you know, stop that, that's ridiculous, you know, hold on, wait a minute, what's going on? And then it sort of died down. This, of course, made it die down completely because now you've got a whistleblower talking about. Uh, the, the tinfoil hat guy in me goes, if you're going to fight something, you need something to fight. In other words, if you need something to, if, if you want to sort of bring up an issue and talk about all the things that you're doing, you need sort of a, 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 a playing field to play on. And this provides them a pretty good playing field to start to, to fight. In other words, they're not fighting some weird, vaporous, you know, sort of issue. This person brings up issue, 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 and they can go, great, here's what we're going to do on this. Here's what we're going to do on that. Here's, And now all of a sudden they can demonstrate concrete evidence, which of course gets news play now that the whistleblower has come out. So in other words, it doesn't look like Facebook just gaslighting us. It actually looks like them taking concrete steps to respond to this quote-unquote whistleblower. I, I, part of me goes, this is just a brilliantly engineered PR campaign. Wow, you're really taking it to the next level I am. there. I am. I understand uh, that. So I, you're, I, you're, I, talking, I, you're talking. Yeah. You're talking. This is the movie Vice. This is this is Cheney. This is the the whole uh, war in Iraq, where you know the, the, they there was no enemy. They they didn't know where Al Qaeda was. Like where do we where do we fight? Is it Afghanistan? Is it, we don't know. So they basically said we have to have it be a country. Yes. This is a, whether or not you believe the story or not, it's the movie Vice. It's about Vice President Cheney working with Bush, and they go to war against Iraq, and they make up the weapons of mass destruction thing. So that's the whole movie part. That's what you're saying. They said the same thing. They said, we have to create an enemy to fight, so it's going to be Saddam Hussein. You're saying the same thing's going on here at Facebook. Yes, and I wouldn't – so the only difference is, is that I wouldn't call it a fight. I would say – you know, so the, the calculus goes a little like this, right? They go, okay, if we come out and say we're going to respond to this, we're going to respond to that, we're going to respond to this without any sort of backstop or, uh, or, or pressure, the world goes, yeah, but that's not enough. But that's not enough. That's not enough, right? That's not enough. You know what I mean? There, there's sort of no solid ground on for them to stand on with a position on any one issue, right? Whether it be privacy, whether it be too many ads, whether it be uh, out, uh, the optimized algorithm for you know inf misinformation, whatever it is, what the whistleblower does is creates a bill of materials, right? A bill of materials that we can respond to and actually provide a counter argument for. In other words, we can say, great, here the whistleblower brought up everything, right? Oh, this person, wow, they really, they really got us. Oh, gee, willikers, right? Let's, 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 you know, here's the list of things that they said. Okay, well, here's how we're responding to one, two, three, four, five. We're going to make these proactive things so that you don't regulate us or so that you regulate us in the way that we'd like to be regulated or whatever. And the world goes, oh, the whistleblower brought it up. They've reacted. They said they were going to make changes and the world is all good again. And so that's that's my that's my theory. Okay, you want to here take this another step. So let's say that you're right 
partially with this idea that they want this to go. What if they and they yeah. and they respond to this? So so a big thing in this whole thing is basically the the negative the negative um, in in Instagram and Facebook to kids. And they talk about that the Facebook knows about this, the increase in suicides, those things. And they're like, they don't do anything. They just look at the algorithm. They look at the analytics and they want to increase the, the analytics. They want better numbers. Great. We don't care who we destroy in the meantime. That's the, what the whole article is talking about. What if yeah. they want this to get out there? They say, yeah, there's some truth to this, but it's not us for the most part. The majority of kids are on Snap and TikTok. That's where your problem is. Sure, there's some of it, and we're going to address it. But the big issue is are on those channels. So that's where. So maybe they're using this to say, let's point the spotlight on us. We're going to start to fix this thing, and we will come out as the heroes, taking a progressive stance on it. While the real problem is is with their main competition right now, those two I, companies. I don't. I, I I wouldn't disagree with that one bit. I think that's a perfectly viable sort of all. You know correlated strategy right as we're it's sort going of like, down you know, the conspiracy rabbit yeah, hole. yeah right i mean you know like you know we'll, we'll turn into joe rogan soon enough um but oh, yeah I, you know i mean i think it's i i look to me it makes perfect sense and what makes the most sense for me on this is that from my reading and maybe people will will show me different but from my reading facebook isn't reacting to the whistleblower going she's wrong she's absolutely mistaken these things are not true she's a liar you know she, they're not sort of you know pushing on her they're pushing on like yes we're working on it we're working on it you know of course these are internal issues that we're bringing up and of course they're internal memos and you know while we disagree that it should be made public we're you know we're, we're working on them very hard right they're basically you know they're 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 teeing themselves up to say you know, sorry, it's taking so long, but we're we're working on it. You okay, know? you, you want so, another? We want another movie reference. I'm sorry. Sure, yeah. You know, yeah, pa- no. you know, Patriot Games. Yeah, of course. You know when, exactly. You know when the he go Harrison Ford character goes in to consult with the president, and I guess the one of the president's best. Um, don't bark friend. at me like a junkyard dog. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the the friend got in trouble for all this cocaine stuff, and um, and then the they, the president's advisors were saying, "Oh no, distance yourself as much as you can." And Harrison Ford said, "No, say you no, were best friends. Right. You were the greatest exactly. friends in the world. Lean so they have nowhere yep. to go." That's right. Oh, that's beautiful. That's what you're talking about. That's Embrace exactly what it. I'm talking about. So the so the reporters will say, "Oh no, Facebook's doing it about. They understand it's a problem." Absolutely. This show is crazy. This current p- podcast is really crazy talk. Yeah. You so it's right. so funny. So here's another this is what I when I was I took a step back from all this Facebook stuff and I looked yeah. at it and all I kept thinking of was great benefits insurance. That's what I think of with Facebook. You know, great benefits insurance from the Rainmaker, the book and the movie. Yep. 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 Great yep. great benefits basically is this evil insurance company and they do whatever they can to maximize profits. And that's how I feel about Facebook. Now maybe maybe I'm wrong and maybe Zuckerberg's the nicest person in the world, but they seem they do no, seem you're not, relentless. You're not wrong. Yeah, you're definitely well, not wrong. They seem yeah. relentless that they want better numbers better revenue that they want world domination and they will do whatever it takes to get there and whoever it harms in the meantime and by the way there are a lot of companies that do this we're just picking on facebook but that's why i thought of great benefits insurance like whatever it takes to get the premium to get the money and you'll deny 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 because at the end of the day we can't we as users can't do anything about it that's right so yeah i mean and you know we, you know, there's that famous sign that came out that said, you know, you're not stuck in traffic. You are traffic. You know, we are all Facebook, right? We are all part of the problem. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's as much on us as it is them. And so for all of us that go, oh, you know, Tom Webster wrote a great post on this on, on, on Medium uh, today, in fact, and, you know, basically saying the same thing. Like if, if you know, it's, it's very easy for all of us to be on Facebook and go, yeah, it's somebody else's issue, right? You know, somebody else is misusing Facebook and yeah, I'm, I'm not addicted to it. I'm not getting misinformation from it, but you are right. You're not, you're not stuck in traffic. You are traffic. You know, it's weird. Uh, I was a a lot of, it seems a lot more people use Twitter and and LinkedIn. Um, The day that Facebook went down 
And yeah, I have actually, I since this happened a little bit more, and I saw uh, Mark Sher- Marcus Sheridan's post. I don't know if you saw it on LinkedIn. I did. Very, yeah, I did. very simple post. He said, welcome, welcome, all you new people. And he said, right. what I love about LinkedIn is that nobody brings up politics or religion or anything like that. <laughs> That's not true. That's not even a little That's bit true. That's what he said, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. He I said know. It's, it's not even a little kinder, bit true. He said, he yeah. said basically LinkedIn is just the kinder place. Yeah, it's I, not. It's not. It's definitely not. It's just a. Di- it's a different level of mean. It's yeah. It is a it's, different it's, level, but it doesn't seem to be as in your face. Let's say no. As it is no. It's just different. Facebook. It's just you know. It yes. It, there are less politics, but there are a lot. There's a lot more spam, right? You know what I mean? It's like there's a lot more trying to sell me stuff that I don't need in the world. And yes, there are less politics. So I enjoy it for that. I enjoy it for the less politics and certainly the less you know, <laughs> COVID misinformation. But I certainly. You know, it, it, there's certainly enough sort of, hey, I need link building, you know, things. And, hey, can I sell you some other software you don't need? And, hey, yeah. can I also sell you real estate that you don't need? And, oh, I also have coaching services available for, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's just a different yeah. kind of just different, you know, different content, you know. Just no, you're not, right. You're right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in this week I've, I've sent out a couple times, um, you know, the subscriber hierarchy we talk about where we have Facebook at the bottom and we have email subscribers at the top. And somebody said, well, why is Twitter ranked higher than Facebook? And you bring this up right now where I can't control Facebook's algorithm no matter what I do. They are going to show me what where they can make the most money off of me and whatever they think is going to keep me on that platform as long as possible. With Twitter, right. with Twitter at least I can customize my view. I can, and I've been able to do that. It's taken a while where I just follow the people that I want to follow, or I can follow the certain hashtags, and I don't have to look at just the stream, whatever that is. I don't even know what a stream is on Twitter because everyone has their, (laughs) as a different one. But that's what I like is you have more control as a user over the algorithm than you do on Facebook and LinkedIn, LinkedIn to that extent. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's still rented land, but. Yes, indeed. But I like Jack better than Zuck. I do. Even, oh, even though Jack, generally Dorsey, speaking, as he's people go in the world, even yeah. though he's a part timer, yeah. he focuses more time on Stripe. I, square. square, Square. Thank you, Square Stripe. Yeah. What's the difference? That yeah, a few billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> a few billion, like fifty yeah. billion, yeah. fifty billion dollars. Yeah, well, certainly we we'll we'll talk about some real money at some point. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> well, good. Speaking of real money, we should probably move to our next story here. Maybe um, you know, and so. Interesting one, sort of on the flip side of what we were just talking about. Um, And by the way, huge hat tip here on Twitter uh, to Alex Chambers, uh, who's at Hi Alex Chambers on Twitter. Um, Fun little username there. So hi, Alex. Uh, And the article comes to, I'm going to, we're going to link to, uh, an, uh, an article that comes from eater.com. Never heard of the site before, but it's covering the story that we want to cover. And it's, it's actually registration free, um, and not Apple news, which is another annoying thing. But anyway, the article's headline is restaurant website. The infatuation has been purchased by JP Morgan chase. Uh, and the article opens up by saying the banking Goliath says the review and guide site, by the way, and it oversees, uh, Zagat, uh, will maintain independence, but Chase credit card holders will receive special perks like curated dining experiences. The article opens up by saying, restaurant website The Infatuation enters uh, states its goal as bringing you the most honest and trustworthy opinions on where to eat around the world. And now those opinions will be under the purview of J.P. Morgan Chase, which, according to the Wall Street Journal, has acquired the site along with its apps, the Eats Con Festival, the Eats Con Festival, that's right, and restaurant rating resource Zagat. The Infatuation purchased that Zagat a guide in 2018. We've long admired the Infatuation's fresh approach to reaching people with relatable content that inspires new ways to experience life through food and drink, whether it's down the street or across the globe, said Marianne Lake, the co-CEO of Chase. We look forward to building on our complementary missions of connecting people to experiences around a shared passion for dining. She added, we anticipate our collaboration will create more ways to engage our growing base of shared customers through dining and experiences. And the article then goes on to talk a little bit more uh, about the the sort of acquisition and their desire to make it better. Um, it's fascinating to me. I mean, like, once again, the words content marketing were not used, but this is a quintessentially perfect example 
of what we mean when we say acquire, you know, thinking about acquiring audiences that sort of help you differentiate in the market. And we've seen this, this my take on this anyway, is, is that we've started to really see this in financial services. Um, in fact, did a webinar on it recently about how financial services are starting to use way different things than financial literacy and other kinds of, you know, buy low, sell high types of content in order to differentiate their services, right? So, um, you know, whether it's, you know, looking at different kinds of consumer experiences, you know, like concerts and music and all those kinds of things to this, which seems just a perfect match here, which is giving users a differentiated reason to sign up for Chase credit cards, which is now you get this wonderful experience of Zagat and that comes along with it. It's a beautiful content marketing example. What do you think? I think it's so funny. This is a third paragraph. As the Wall Street Journal notes, banks don't usually buy media companies. I wish Wall Street Journal, yeah, (laughs) they don't, but I wish Wall Street Journal would say, this is a trend that we're seeing with large brands starting to buy media companies over and over. In this, in the industry of content marketing, the blah, blah, you know, we should see this stuff, but it's still right. again, everything's you know, everything's like a brand new thing that we've never seen before. I think it's beautiful. I think what they've done is create a, an exclusive content experience, or that's what they're going to create. I think yep. the mix and match of you know, rest people that go out, they probably already had the data. Uh, people that already go out to eat a lot are using. Uh, Zagat, and they're using services like that, and they're getting more information about where they want to eat. I mean, this is a phenomenal program. Um, We're going to see more and more of this. And it probably was a rounding error in the amount that it it costs Chase to to buy this. This is a rounding error in their marketing budget, not just a rounding error in revenue or anything like that. This is, you know, this this was done probably forgive the pun it was, it was probably put on their chase credit card when here's you know what i mean oh yeah it's fine that that's pretty good buys it with buys it with their own credit card yeah when do right. you think what? we get to the point i'm gonna put you on the spot here when do you think we get yeah. to the point where websites like the wall street journal or the new york times will say that somebody's got to do something because all these brands are buying media companies and it's getting out of hand uh, you know uh, <sighs> I don't know. I mentioned this in my keynote at, at, at Content Marketing World. That, I wonder, that's where I got the idea from. Yeah, it's, <laughs> inexpl- it's inexplicable to me why there seems to be this. And, it, and as I said in the keynote, it's, I don't really care. I care a little bit, but I, I don't really care if Adweek and Wall Street Journal and Ad Age and The Drum and you know New York Times and you know all these places that cover these kinds of things in some way if they use the term content marketing again I care a little bit but I don't care that much what I care about is that the recognition of this as something that has been going on instead of this new weird like just to your point right this new weird little experiment the bank buying a media company yes they have yes yes they have they have been doing this that you know, Chase isn't innovative here. They're late. <laughs> They're late to the party yeah. of doing this. This is something that's been going on for the last six or seven or eight or nine or 10 years, you know, ever since we've been doing this podcast, this has been going on. And so the the trend here is, is, and so it's not that I'm punting on your question because I think it's a really interesting one, but unless somebody actually starts to call them out, which I've promised the audience at, at Content Marketing World that I would do, and I think it's incumbent on us to do if we care about this, um, that, you know, that I don't think it will ever happen. I don't know that it will ever, ever happen. I Until think it'll, all it, the brands yeah. are owning, own all the media companies? And then and then somebody will go, wow, look what happened over the last five years. Isn't that interesting? Isn't they'll that They'll say I had no, yeah, they'll say I had no idea that Bank of no America idea that was, owned right. these 72 media companies. Right. That's I mean, right. That's right. It's the, actually, and, it's the same. It's Aero Electronics get that, gets that all the time. We've talked about it. I had no idea that Aero Electronics owns almost every major media company in the b2b electronics space they are the biggest that. media company in b2b electronics yes they are but nobody that's it but nobody stop. would know that unless you're in the industry that's right I mean, even in the industry you might not know it but yeah 
That's right. Well, and just to that point, so we were going to cover this a little later, but I think it's a great time to bring it up. There's an article this week in Adweek, right? So Adweek, um, the headline is, want to create a meaningful branded content? Try a journalistic approach, says Adweek. Um, Consumers are tired of the sales pitch, says the sub-headline. And I don't mean to throw this writer under the bus. She's part of the columnist network. I'm not sure what the columnist network means with Adweek, but a I'm assuming a freelancer type of and so I don't know. I should, you know, full transparency. I don't know if this is a paid placement from the columnist network or how that works, but I do know that she's not a uh it can't a, be, a, a, an Adweek paid writer, though, right? Because I wouldn't think so. Because it doesn't say it says anywhere that it's paid. Right. It says this is part of our columnist network, which I think is just freelance writers that they get contributions from. I don't know because, you know, I can't, it's very hard to discern. If you click in, you just get basically a number of articles. It doesn't actually say, you know, it's the columnist network explores the tactical thoughts and actions from Adweek's community of high level experts. Today, Long Dash CEO Kate Watts shares a new approach for brands, a new approach for brands to connect authentically with consumers. Below in her own words, she suggests ditching the conversion funnel to earn consumer loyalty. And the article, which is lovely, it's wonderful, it's great, it's well-written, talks about the inverted pyramid of journalism, showing, not telling your value add, investing time for deeper loyalty, greater lifetime value, and then of course uses Glossier as the example here of a media company that turned into a product company. And it's like, ah, content marketing, content marketing, content marketing, content marketing. And now I don't know whether Kate doesn't know the words content marketing or whether she doesn't care or, you know, I, I don't know because I don't know Kate. Or, or whether or not she submitted it to Adweek. And Adweek, I've heard, it's like, this is, look, don't hold me up for this. I don't know. But I think they <laughs> more, have more fi- conspiracy theories. I think you know? they have a find and replace. I think that when anybody ever anybody puts on their content management system content marketing, it automatically changes it to branded content. I I've That's, heard these things, but I could be wrong. You've no, you've. you've are you serious? You've really heard this? <laughs> yeah, I don't you've heard know. this. This is I make this is all this yeah. stuff up. I'm yeah, just, this is our conspiracy theory show. This is our this is the conspiracy you know, theory. But how many? Okay, you could probably count the number of times that Adweek has said content marketing, and they've probably done it because of Content Marketing World or Content Marketing Institute. They haven't done it because oh, the the term is content marketing. It's always brand branded content or branded entertainment. Always. That's right. It's always that. Or brand journalism is another one that, that they sometimes one. use. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, it's it's you know it's it's inexplicable to me, and I and, and the answer to your question is you know it's very hard to uh, to predict um, if they'll ever if they'll ever come around. I you know and the and and again my my idea here is not to necessarily you know and my my challenge with the idea of what was in this article from Kate is not. The idea. I love the idea. I love the way she approached it. I love the way she organized her thoughts. I love the way she talked about the inverted pyramid. I love the example, of course. The 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 thing that sort of just you know to get into a Peter Griffin, you know, what really grinds my gears is that you know the 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 whole that this is new and innovative and weird and change because what it does it perpetuates this idea that this is this thing that we can't really do if we're sort of a conservative risk averse business because yeah it's weird and new and innovative and okay for glossier but it's not really for us i have to share this because i just, this just blew my mind you probably already knew this this blew my mind uh, there's i'm reading this article from kate watts talking about content marketing and calling it branded content it says it's an ad for walmart connect have you seen this do you know this no, I don't know this. So, so it's okay. First of all, Walmart is advertising on Adweek, and they're selling a product called Walmart Connect. So I'm clicking through, trying to figure. So Walmart is a data play where they're selling their data and their t- intelligence specifically for people to get more insight from Walmart customers. Countless opportunities to accelerate your growth by making meaningful connections with 150 million weekly Walmart customers. Mm. Uh, that's just blo- I mean so is Walmart what business is Walmart in you know it's just it's just crazy things that I'm everybody you know whatever you're selling it's crazy so they're so Walmart's now in the marketing uh, technology business yeah 
just and as just FYI, while you were talking, I went and did a search for content marketing on Adweek's website twice in the last two oh, years. Oh no way! It can't twice be that in, low. It is. It's twice in the last. Now they have another publication called Target Marketing, well, which of course we know as they well. They purchased that. That doesn't. That, yes, exactly. Yeah. Which of course comes up in search results. But so, it did. but twice on the Adweek site, the words content marketing ready for the punchline. Both of those times were uh, were new job titles. In other words, people getting hired into content marketing positions. One is a you know somebody who got hired oh as the VP of content marketing God. at Disney, and somebody else. And so it's like, wow, ba da ba ba da Okay, it's like, oh my God, I I know we we probably need to get on with the podcast, yeah. Today, but that just blows my mind. Like we really should do something. We should have. We should. I want to know. I want to know why. They're banned from using the term content marketing. I don't know. I don't know. They just, yeah, it's, 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 it's fantastic. Wow. It's fantastic. I'm taking the action item. I'm taking the action item in our meeting. I, you know, I stand. Okay. What you need to do is send out a tweet a day and every day send it to Adweek. At Adweek, why don't you use I challenge you to use the words content marketing. I I challenge you. you to do better. Said Captain Pike to Captain Kirk. Oh, I know, I know. There's gonna be there's gonna be a new article that is that is to uh, the the captain or the uh, the content marketing idiots on yeah. on PNR. That's what it's gonna be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so right. they'll they'll say it they'll say it in a derogatory fashion. Yeah. Targeting us. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Uh, that's fine. That's fine. Throw me under the bus. Let's do it. I'll do, yeah, I don't care. What a, what a, if they're ad week? It's not even relevant I, anymore. It's ad I know, week. I know. It should be content week or something. I don't know. Well, anyway. I don't mind. I don't mind. Ad, we add the PR. It's all the same. I mean, ad week is is by uh, PR, PR week. They're all the same, right? No. Are all the yeah. weeks owned by the same uh, company? I can't remember. Yeah, I think I so. I think that's true. Search week. that's true. Search. <laughs> Direct week. <laughs> I don't know what else do we have. I mean, there's 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 uh, got SEO week. Yeah, week week. All right, know. ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> week week. It is time for your favorite and empirically proven favorite part of the show, which is of course our rants and rave section when Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that has us feeling like we got covered in ad week or something that makes us feel like we're in the middle of Squid Game. Um, and so, uh, you want to go first? Yeah, you want I'll me go, to go first? I'll go first. Uh, just a okay. qu- quick shout out. Uh, this was shared on uh, the Tilt's Discord uh, channel by Ashley Stryker. And I'm a, I'm a big fan of Matthew Patrick. As you know, uh, Matt Pat, as he goes by on YouTube, was a speaker. I think, was that Content Marketing World 13? Do you remember? It's 13 or 14. Which, which one? Um, um, oh, Matt, Matt, Matthew, Matt Pack was a speaker, and he was on the cover was of Chief Content Officer I'm pretty magazine, sure it was 13. Something yeah, I think like it was that. 13, yeah. So basically, how I came to found him is he, uh, my kids were watching him on YouTube. He had a show called Game Theory, and it'd be yeah. funny. He talked about conspiracy theories behind games. So you talk right. about the different, like like Pokemon and, and what if, if this character does this or whatever. It was just crazy. Well... He's built a YouTube empire, Game Theory, Food Theory. Game Theorist right now has uh, 14.5 million subscribers. What I love about him is he said he purposely didn't monetize that platform until he got to 1 million subscribers. And so he waited, and now he consults with YouTube and some of the biggest companies in the world. But what I love about this latest one, that he, so he produced this, is called Game Theory, The End of an Era. We'll put it in the show notes. This is one that he produced on September 26, 2021. So two things. First off, if you want to see how an amazing video is shot on YouTube, you need to watch this video. They spend about, Ooh, a, they spend about 100 hours a week producing their videos. It's some of the best production value for YouTube that you will see. And he's got a small team, but they're really, really amazing with what they do. So if you want to just see. Oh, I totally want to see that. So how do you do that? He does a great job of it. But the content for this one, so it's 25 minutes long, is this YouTube video, which is funny because he talks Mm. about this in the video and how long, how long YouTube, this is like YouTube uh, videos today, they go on for hours now. Like if you watch a Mr. Beast video, it's like, it literally goes on for hours. They're like long podcasts. But I love the insight to this because he was talking about YouTube as the grown-up platform. I didn't realize all the bans that YouTube, Google, has put in on content. And he goes through all of them. And he's made it 
he basically said they made all these changes so they could clean it up so that they could go after the big advertising dollars. So that the advertisers would feel comfortable advertising on the platform. So you used, used to think of, oh, YouTubers and, you know, if they're filming in their basement, whatever. He said, it is all changed and all become corporate. And he goes through the process of what a YouTuber has to go through to sell advertising on YouTube. And it's fascinating. The whole process, he's gone through the whole thing and he goes through, you know, basically he's been on YouTube for more than 10 years now. And so goes through that whole thing. And any marketer, who is does anything with YouTube really needs to watch this because he goes through the process and he also says for another conspiracy theory, but this is what's happening. What TikTokers are doing and Twitch streamers, they're building some of their audience on those platforms. But since they can't monetize those platforms that well, TikTok doesn't give anything out. It's very hard to monetize on Twitch with Amazon. So he says those companies don't care about the creators at all. YouTube pays 55% out directly to creators. And he wow. said that is why everyone is going, they're building, it's, I guess, I wouldn't say it's easy, but he says it's easier to build a following on TikTok today, and then you move that following over to YouTube, and that's where you make your money. So I just thought it was interesting. It's worth it. It's worth at least the first 20 minutes to go through. Uh, again, this is, this is Matt Pat on the Game Theorist channel, and I'll put it in the show notes, and it's definitely worth watching. Does he still have, because one of the case studies that I loved so much that we used to talk about all the time, and I even think we talk about it in Killing Marketing, does he still have the consulting firm? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, so, theorists, so yeah. Game Theorists is one of his channel. He has The Food Theorists is another channel. And then he has Theorists, Inc. And yeah. Theorists, Inc. is the consulting. And he what he does is he works directly with large influencers and with brands to help them get found and grow an audience it's, it's, on YouTube. Which is And I, I right? believe, I, I yeah. don't know, but from just looking at, at his kingdom here, uh, that's a multi-million dollar consulting practice. I'm sure it is. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure it is. You know, so it's just, you know, building building his ecosystem. I just love it. It's just absolutely a great, a great example, yeah, of you know what Adweek would call branded content. Um, so <laughs> let's <laughs> Um, that's some great branded content right there. That's some great branded content there, right. what do you, Pat. What do you uh, um, What do you have for your? I have a rave? quick rave here, um, which is uh, so I got a uh, I got a. This came from a couple a couple of people actually emailed me a question, which I'm not sure why they emailed me about it necessarily, but it came from two people, so like there must be something there. Um, Playboy uh, has put its first gay male bunny on the cover of its October issue. Um, now, weirdly, ironically, I guess I've been following the Playboy brand evolution over the last year and a half. And so, uh, I did not, I don't follow it in the way that I don't subscribe or anything like that as a consumer, but, but I've been following what they've been doing since, you know, we actually covered it a couple of times on the show about, you know, they got sold. Um, they, you know, they, then they stopped covering nudity full stop a few years ago and then admitted that was a mistake and it's been a brand and a, and a publication that has really struggled for relevance quite frankly in the in the 21st century and a couple of years ago i think it was 2019 they basically rebooted everything um so just pre-pandemic sort of early 2019 they they briefly or they, they basically rebooted it they've uh they're under new ownership they hired a whole new editorial team which are all young um, really, you know, focused people to, you know, redo everything, redo the brand in a much more, you know, uh, I'll, I'll just call it woke, right, sort of uh, mm -hmm. idea, but more importantly, sort of inclusive idea, right, with the idea of LGBTQ um, as its core. They sort of got rid of the whole men's magazine idea and made sort of, uh, you know, the, the idea of really it was about sexual freedom, right? The sort of full stop. And this, you know, and they started, you know, they're keeping with the edgy editorial, which is what kind of they were known for other than, you know, um, pretty naked ladies in the, in the magazine. And, but they're brought back nudity in a much more interesting, I think, artistic, some might argue, um, certainly more inclusive way um, in terms of not only the way that they created a process for creating the photographs and, and what they're doing, but also the way that they do editorial, the way that they do the design of the publication and everything. And this is sort of their, you know, 
this is sort of the, the the sort of culmination, I guess, of that in many ways, which is this first gay male bunny on the cover. And I just I, I, I want to rave about it because I think it's been, you know, obviously COVID and 2020 sort of put a weird sort of spin on things. But and watching the evolution of the brand and where it is today, I just it's it's one of the most elegant kinds of evolutions of a classic old brand. And how do you take a classic old brand that in many ways was kind of on the chopping block for, for a long time from a cultural perspective of saying, this is no longer relevant to the world. This is no longer, you know, this is no longer acceptable. This is no longer the way that we want to look at it. And really pivoted into something that is not just interesting, but certainly viable from a business perspective. I just think it's, you know, and it's, we'll link to a, an article from Media Post that talks about it. Um, but there are a number of articles out there, if you just Google it, that talk about the history of the brand and what they've been doing over the last 18 to 24 months. And it's just, it's just a really great, to me, brand case study, because I think they're teed up now. They're, they are set. It'll all come in the execution. I totally get that. It's totally, you know, the but the whiteboard is now clean. I think they have successfully rebranded Playboy as something that is truly something that can last another hundred years. And I just think it's uh it's it's just a wonderful example of that. So I wanted to rave about it. Well, you know, you've been you've been looking at Playboy that way, and I've been <laughs> I've been looking at their NFT drops. They've 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 generated oh yeah they're doing all that they've stuff de- generated too, too. Yeah. quite quite a nice business that's going yes. on I think they're on their third or fourth drop uh, NFT drop and uh, they're totally committed to it and it's a whole new revenue stream and uh, yep. it's it's oh they've gone all in on the digital stuff right and to your and to to what you would love they have brought back the print uh, version as well they're going to a quarterly now instead of a monthly. Um, but it's a quarterly magazine that's done in very high quality paper, very high quality experience in terms of what they're what they're doing. So, uh, yeah, it's it's I think everything they're doing is building a great content business, a great content. And, um, you know, as a content creator, that's a great ecosystem that they're building from digital to print to events. Now they've sort of rebranded and brought back much of what they're doing in physical events and, you know, how they're changing the brand of what used to be bunnies running around and, you know, sort of cocktail costumes. And now they've, they've brought some of that back, but changed them to brand ambassadors. And it's, it's, it's really amazing. It's just brilliant. Yeah. It's yeah, really it's amazing. really just they, wonderful. I've been, I've been really yeah. interested to see there, especially with that digital strategy. Cause I think there's a lot that, that uh, content creators can learn from, from that adjustment. A lot. Yeah. Absolutely. A lot. And, and what you can learn from taking a brand that was, you know, kind of left for dead and bringing it back in a relevant way in a really cool open way. Especially when I think what you're going to see in the next couple of years is some of these older print publications, they're going to come back uh, as the new, whatever they're going to get bought out, which we've seen before, but now there's so many new revenue streams that you can have digitally that you didn't have a couple of years ago that exactly, it's yeah. really going to get fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, so, I believe that. So, what do you uh, what do you got going on the rest of the I'm, weekend? You know, it's a uh, here's the thing. It's I we we're finally feeling a little like fall here in Southern California. So we've got some nice cool temperatures. I got to get outside and get some sunshine and get my you know get outside and get away from screens for a bit. Um, and other than that, we're just uh, we're cranking on some new client work and doing some research, and you know, it's 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 all good. Feeling feeling good about fall. Feeling good about football. Feeling football. You know, def- it's definitely. It's, yeah. Isn't it weird though? I feel I haven't. I feel behind all the time. Like you and oh, I read so, us God, so read, oh, read yeah. so much oh, stuff. Yeah. We try. Right. I mean, we do this podcast. We're trying to keep up. We're on the Discord. We know we're doing all the things. Yeah. And I I don't remember when we started in this twelve. What is it? Twelve thirteen years ago together. Started doing this stuff. I I don't think I felt behind all the time. <laughs> no, I do. Maybe it's my age that I just can't read it. I don't know what the no, I think, what the deal is. It's just things are moving yeah, so I think there's, much quicker. There's there are a lot of things moving really fast here that you feel like you should be more informed about than you are, right? And so it's it's hard to keep up with everything that's going on in our marketplace right now because it's just change is happening so fast and it's hard to know where where to focus, right? You just have to cross things off your list, right? You know, 
you're a master at this, right? Where you write down your list and I can't remember if it's your five things to do or your whatever, you know, however you approach it, but you're a master at sort of saying, this is what I'm focusing on that really needs to be done. And you just have to do it, you know, but otherwise, but it doesn't help you not feel behind. You just feel I like just you're feel, chasing I just things. feel like yeah. it. Yeah. And I've got, man. So that's what I'm working on a couple articles, just trying to figure out some of these new models and it's, you know, we'll see when, the, when, whenever the inspiration strikes, It'll happen. But the Browns come first. The Browns come first. <laughs> right. There you go. I have to watch the game. And I have to watch Ted Lasso. So we got yes. lots of oh, things to that'll do. Be, that'll be that'll be tonight for those of you who are listening yeah, on Friday. Exactly. Yeah. So there you all go. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, that is it. We are signing off. If you want to get all the goodness of this podcast show notes that we talked about, dive into any of the other two hundred and ninety one episodes. Why don't you get on over to our website at thisoldmarketing.site? Uh, we want to thank, of course, the great folks at Radix for powering our .site domain. If you want your own .site domain, get over to Radix and get your own .site domain. There are plenty of your wonderful domains available. I'm sure some of them having to do with NFTs and crypto and all that stuff, too. Until we meet again next week, just remember, it is your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you soon on This Old Marketing.